For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Warning, the following podcast may be offensive to people offended by the following podcast. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by one final round of our Steve Bannon Physical Description Contest. Today's winner is at CL Cody Clark, who had, if herpes made a Christian mingle profile, well played Cody Clark. Next week, we're going to switch over to Pope Francis. So tweet us your favorite descriptions of Pope Francis using the hashtag Pope Scathe, and you could be the next winner. And now, Scathing Atheist. Hello, you guys. This is Manuel from PesquisasMormonas.com. And Pesquisas Mormonas is the only podcast about the Mormons in Spanish. And, you know, I was thinking, all these gringo Mormons think they're so delightful and whatnot. But the truth is, they also descend from filthy monkey men. So, yeah. Pequisamormonas.com Yeah, it's March 23rd. And if you found Jesus, you can lose him again here. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, Secret Lair, Pennsylvania, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, Pakistan wants a stone-to-death option on Facebook. Texas considers a cap-and-trade system to discourage sperm waste. And Alabama joins the fight against the fight against child abuse. But first, the diatribe. Hey, you know where life comes from? Yeah, me neither. But don't tell the religious people, though, or we have to stop being atheists, apparently. For fuck's sake, I am so sick of this question, mostly because if it was an honest inquiry, it would be awesome. It's one of the coolest unanswered questions in science. And if I was constantly plagued by people who were genuinely asking me what I knew about the origins of life, I'd have way better blood pressure. But instead, I'm inundated with people asking this question who are utterly committed to not knowing the answer. The end result is me downplaying one of the most fascinating things ever to precede a question mark, because as interesting as it is, it's still just one of many questions science has yet to answer, and it has no more or less ability to bring the entire edifice of science down than any other unanswered question. You know, why do we yawn is also currently unanswered by science, and that counts for exactly as many points in the God column as our inability to retrace all the steps of abiogenesis, and that is zero points. And yet it's almost impossible to put this question in perspective, even for people who aren't desperately clinging to it as like the last hope for deific asylum. I mean, the reason we find this question so interesting is in large part because we're alive. It's an unanswered question about our own ancestry. And so it holds more interest to us than the processes that brought about diamonds or pulsars. But that doesn't mean it's a more important question. It's just one we're more interested in. I mean, if you think about it, the definition of life gets pretty damn fuzzy around the edges. If we were able to somehow go back and observe every stage of progress from hydrogen freezing out of the Big Bang's diluted energy to Homo sapien, I can guarantee you that people would still argue about exactly when alive started. You know, the universe isn't dropping things into distinct categories like alive and dead. Those are just post hoc pigeonholes we create because otherwise language wouldn't work. In reality, though, there's a continuum and most things are firmly on one side or the other. You know, the same is true of all the adjectives and most of the nouns. And look, if you pick any one thing and demand a complete account of how it came to be, you're forced to explain all of cosmological history up to that moment. 
right? I mean, that's true of life's origins, but it's also true of felt-tip pens, sandstorms on Mars, and this diatribe. As Sagan said, if you wish to make apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe. I, I mean, we tend to think of rocks, you know, like as a, as a much easier thing to explain than birds. But if we're trying to give a precise step-by-step account of the existence of, let's say, limestone, that still requires an explanation for abiogenesis. And, and, and by the same token, since we couldn't exist without all that iron and molybdenum and shit, we kind of have to explain the rocks to explain ourselves. The point being... It's a fucking question. It's one unanswered question woven into a tapestry of others. Yes, it's a fascinating one, but it offers no more refuge for God than any other question. What's more, when deployed by an apologist, it's a trick question, right? I mean, how many steps of abiogenesis do we need plausible explanations for before religious people stop being religious? What level of certainty do we need to reach on each of these steps? How definitive must the answer be? If there aren't clear answers to those questions, the discussion is pointless. I mean, at least as far as the religious debate goes. And if you ask the apologist, they'll no doubt set the parameters so high that no achievable answer would suffice. I mean, what particular stage in abiogenesis is the one where God is hiding? You know, there are several stages we already understand, which means that God was just like, getting involved here and there. <laughs> you know, it's just he let a random and uncaring universe assemble the plasma membranes of the cell, but he had to do the ribosomes himself. Or or if we figure that one out, maybe God just did the endoplasmic reticulum. The, the, the point is the whole, then how do you explain X line of questioning is inherently disingenuous in religious debate. No answer can ever be absolute or complete. So there's no obvious threshold we can cross over where there's no gap left for God. Now, of course, what is God is always going to be a lot further from an answer than whatever the apologist is throwing at you. So it's not like that line of reasoning was in need of refutation, but I still have to bitch about it because what pisses me off most isn't the intellectual mendacity. It's not even the prerequisite of ignorance required to exploit it. What really burns my ass is the post-requisite requirement of ignorance. The la, 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 I can't hear you that so often serves as a follow-up because look, we've filled in enough of the abiogenic gaps to rule out God. Yeah, we know stages 1, 3, 18, 29, 42, and 58. That leaves a ton of shit unknown, sure. But it's not like any of those stages is the magical God stage. I, we, we, we've seen enough to say we can see a process that makes perfect sense based on nothing but evolution, chemistry, and the laws of thermodynamics. You know, we may not know each step, but we know that there are steps and that they are natural. Like every other process ever observed in the universe, we don't know enough about it, but we know enough about it to rule out God. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Simon and Garfunkel of humanistic hedonism, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to be a bridge over troubled epistemological constructs? <laughs> I will lay me down on that grenade. There you go. Or have a three-way right now, whichever you <laughs> meant. Either way, both. Three-way on a grenade. Well, yeah. <laughs> as exciting as that sounds, though, we are going to have to leave that bomb ticking for a minute while we take a break to hear from this week's sponsor, us. Has this ever happened to you? Well, now you can put those days behind you with your very own copy of Diatribes Volume 2, 50 More Essays from a Scathing Atheist. You'll get the preface. You'll get the afterword. But that's not all. You'll also get 50 expanded versions of the diatribes featured on episodes 51 through 100. Act now and we'll throw in a table of contents at no extra charge. That's right. The ebook version is out now and the paperback will be available shortly. You can get your copy on the Kindle store or by following the link on the show notes for this episode. You'll get the odd-numbered pages. You'll get the even-numbered pages. We'll even toss in a cover. The book contains such classic diatribes as Islam Really Is Evil, Je Suis Charlie, and, of course, the argument from the properly clotted cock. You'll get chapters 1 through 5. You'll get chapters 7 through 10. And if you act now, we'll even include chapter six. So don't delay. Check the show notes, check our Facebook page, check our Twitter feed, check our website, or check your inbox if you're a Patreon donor at the $2 per episode level or above and get your copy of Diatribes Volume 2, 50 more essays from a scathing atheist today. And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story tonight, Pakistan further cemented its reputation as the guy in cloaca last week when they asked both Twitter and Facebook for help identifying blasphemers they could kill. 
I mean, that's right in my about me section, but sure. I, I mean, get I, it. we try to make it easy for him. Yeah. So Pakistani's interior minister and only man with a worse toupee than Trump, Shadri Nisar Ali Khan, disclosed as much on Friday when he admitted that an official in Pakistan's Washington embassy approached the social media giants to solicit their help identifying Pakistanis guilty of blasphemy. And in case you're wondering, according to Ali Khan, yes, they would seek extradition over this shit. What the fuck? Mm, this is a tough one. You know, on the one hand, backwards nations under Sharia law want to use the site as a means of punishing people for thought crimes. But, but, but on the other hand, some people's pictures have nipples in them. So like, where to focus, mm. you know? Mm, yeah. Well, the heart seems to be the going choice. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> So Pakistan, of course, has blasphemy laws so draconian they're considered outrageous even by South Asian standards. <laughs> yeah, just like an Indian dude with no arms. Fucking rednecks. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Backwards yokels. So according to a 2014 BBC report... Over, oh, so a long time ago. Long, yeah, back in the day. <laughs> over 1,300 people have been charged with the blasphemy laws since the current law was enacted in 1986. Now, I couldn't find an account of how many of those people were executed, but at least 62 of them were murdered extrajudicially before a trial ever began. So one way or the other, their humanity averages shit. And according to Amnesty International, quote, there is overwhelming evidence that Pakistan's blasphemy laws violate human rights and encourage people to take the law into their own hands, end quote. So, like, so even if there was a right way to institute capital punishment for making fun of religion, these guys wouldn't be using it. <laughs> okay. Not trying to be that guy that puts the positive spin on the blasphemy laws, mm -hmm. but if I report the porn spam profiles as blasphemous, <laughs> what are the chances they get hacked to death from the shit? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of an offense we can all get behind. Know, it's right. a little break a few eggs, omelet. <laughs> all right. Well, if you're describing a genre of porn based on like machete attackers getting killed by undercover porn ninjas that were waiting, then yes, everyone likes that idea. Easy to get behind. I don't yes. think that's what, but yes, everybody does. That is like, what I was doing. Oh, okay. All right. Well, there we go. Now, I don't usually get it right. Twitter declined to comment here, which just seems like an odd sentence to put together, doesn't it? <laughs> well, Twitter, as we know, always makes the right and humane decision. <laughs> Whatever. You're making fun. I like Twitter. I follow The Onion. <laughs> oh, can we switch social media accounts for like one day? Just one? <laughs> we cannot. Oh, someone made a video about me yesterday claiming I only pretend to be nice to trick people. This is my life. <laughs> wait, really? 100% true. <laughs> wait, 100% true that they made the video or that you only pretend to be nice to trick people? Mm, can it be both? Well, I mean, because that's what every fucking body does. That is the lightest possible charge that can be leveled against a person. This guy's going to do another expose on how I really did think those pants made my wife's ass look big. Come on. Uh, anyway, yeah, back to the story. He's here. a cartoon monkey. So, you know, oh. it hurts. It hurts worse. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> now, uh, Facebook, unlike Twitter, released a long self-damning response that promised to review Pakistan's concerns very carefully and hinted at a possible compromise. So, According to a batshit rambling manifesto Mark Zuckerberg released on Friday, Facebook is considering a global vote of all users to decide what kind of content should and shouldn't be allowed on their service. Oh, and this. even hinted at AI that could remove banned speech. There was, there was also something in there about freedom being slavery. I'm not, I'm not sure I followed <laughs> the whole thing. Then he asked if everyone saw that video about the robot he made for his house. Wasn't that cool? Huh? <laughs> They made a movie about what a dick I am and why you should always call Andrew if you have a good idea. <laughs> yeah. A movie. <laughs> Just pan over to the Winklevoss twins welding a Terminator <laughs> angrily. Pan over to Andrew welding a Terminator. I want Andrew to be in action movies. We can make that happen, patrons. We can make that happen. Tom you from MySpace shows up <laughs> Don't take dying advice from a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and in Living in Sin, Bad's Great Adventure news tonight. Oh, uh, A Different World? Uh, first Kid. Good Burger. The, the, the one where he was a genie. Jingle all the way. <laughs> I, like, I like Sinbad a lot. Apparently, in a news story that makes the plot of Get Out look like an episode of VeggieTales, it was revealed last week that an engaged couple have been in jail since January in the United Arab Emirates for the crime... Of premarital sex. <laughs> okay. Well, hold on. What's the problem? Just 
Break off the engagement and you're free, right? <laughs> Ooh, I did not think of that one. That's that's a good one. Okay, I'm sorry, can we back up for a second? Because it, it feels like you were implying that Veggie Tales was less disturbing than Get Out. I, I I just I don't I don't know that I get the analogy. That's fair. That's fair. Just a tomato in the sunken place. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Emlyn Colorwell, who is South African, and Iron Nohai, who is Ukrainian, have lived in the UAE for the past few years for work reportedly arrested two months ago when Nohai went to the doctor for stomach cramps only to discover she was pregnant. And as if this isn't horrifying enough, the couple still hasn't been charged because authorities are, quote, still carrying out tests, end quote. Um, Which doesn't sound at all like a G-rated description of Hostel. (laughs) I want a Pixar version of Hostel. That's fantastic. You and me both. They keep ignoring my letters. <laughs> Even worse. Uh, and I want it to be a musical. Okay. Well, now you're just stealing my idea. Sign my move on petition. <laughs> Going to give Let It Go a whole new meaning. Okay. But 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 isn't that VeggieTales? Oh, he's got a point. Okay. You are both dream crushers. Dollar <laughs> in the idea drawer. Anyway. Even worse, the South African ministry has said that it is not able to help the couple as this is a matter of domestic UAE law. And the South African government has advised the couple to seek legal assistance because they probably hadn't thought of that. Yeah, right. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> All right. Have you tried calling your national government? Uh, yeah, we're on the phone with you now. That's you. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Shit. Uh... Legal Zoom? Do you have a smartphone? And as of right now, that's where this fucking story stands. Everyone in the world is just like twiddling their thumbs, staring at the ceilings because the United Arab Emirates is to barbaric third world sexual laws as your friend's kid who definitely has something developmentally wrong with him is to a fondue party. (laughs) Um, Eli takes a pill right before he gets there. That's good. That's good. I was going in a different direction, but that is fair. (laughs) No, unless the South African government grows the stones to point out that laws dictated by magic wizards overly concerned about when exactly you start fucking or bullshit, the going policy seems to be to continue to be for the UAE to keep sticking its fist into molten cheese and screaming (laughs) while the rest of the world explains he's just tired. Gotcha. (laughs) And Eli takes lactate and Viagra. (laughs) And in casting aspersions on Golden Showers news tonight, Many people are speculating that the United States might be a better place right now if Hillary Clinton had become president. Speculating. (laughs) Speculating. (laughs) And uh, oddly enough, that includes Congressman Louis Gohmert. He reminded us that if Hillary was in charge, we'd probably have all the Christians in jail by now, including Gohmert himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we would have got away with it, too. It wasn't for those meddling Russians. We had it. Now, there's a thing we can make happen, y'all. Vladimir Putin is Fred. Uh, uh, Alexei Kudrin would be Shaggy. Victor Zolotov is Daphne, of course. Uh, Timchenko is the lesbian. Instead of a dog, it's a bear. And they drive around farting democracy <laughs> and the mystery mobile anti-tank guided missile system. And it's called Scooby Don't. Gold, we just retired. I mean, we'll, we'll finish this episode and all, but after that... <laughs> Well, okay, now I'm picturing the Scooby gang with radium poisoning, and it makes me sad. <laughs> Those are tears of guilt, sir. <laughs> so, uh, Gobert brought this up during a recent appearance on Glenn Beck's show. And uh, it started with Beck making fun of him for, for like almost licking Trump at the beginning of that speech to Congress he, last he month. He did. Which is very accurate. Yes. It's great. <laughs> Watch this video. Trump's on his way in, and there was supposed to be like the handshake portion. Gomert leans in for the kiss multiple times, <laughs> horribly, and gets awkwardly denied multiple times because he's the mayor of the friend zone. <laughs> yeah, that's what right. happens when you're the mayor of the friend zone. Yeah, you look at that guy and you're like, yeah, your dog just... Uh, doesn't need the peanut butter that badly, does he, Louie? <laughs> Watching Louis Gomert jack off should be punishment for robbing the elderly. It's like, nope, jail, please. Or jail. blast me on Twitter, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> so in response to Beck, Gomert tried to explain why he wants to rim the president. And he started by pointing out that the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights called Christians the biggest hate group in America. 
which is false. Right. So far, so good. <laughs> well, well, I'm saying the statement is probably true, but they never said that. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, that, that's how he knows about Hillary's secret plan to throw all the Christians in jail. Mm-hmm. Well, I, for one, have seen 80 plus movies that prove this point. Can't tell you what color my <laughs> wife's eyes are, but I can back that shit up with several movie franchises. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. I mean, you can make wiretapping allegations with less. So, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> And in how many nicks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Refugee news tonight? Ooh, if you are not picturing guru porn starring Mr. Owl, you're not the woman I married. <laughs> oh, God. I absolutely am the woman you married. <laughs> Google that and show it to your kids. Google, Google guru porn. Oh, Nick, and Nick honestly, Cannon. that's not going to be bad as this story. So, yeah, <laughs> right. Go ahead. Take a take a break. All right, so uh, Pope Francistern of Dead Babies is real sorry about the way his church encouraged <laughs> all those one. massacres in Rwanda and sure hopes those Tutsis still aren't all pissy about it. This comes from a meeting with Rwandan President Paul Kagame on Monday where the Pope discussed the church's role in the 1994 genocide and asked for forgiveness for, quote, the sins and failings of the church and its members, end quote, which is about as much as you can sugarcoat plotting and carrying out the systematic murder of hundreds of thousands of people unless you have a cartoon animal saying it. (laughs) I mean, honestly, Django the genocidal jaguar would not be a Bad PR move for the church <laughs> yeah, at this point. Couldn't get worse. And we do not have to tell you what Reggie the Rabbit would be for. Uh, you don't have to because we all obviously get it. It's obvious. But what if somebody asked? <laughs> <didn't>... <laughs> all right. So let's be clear on, on what he's asking the Rwandans. Child rape. The rabbit is a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> of that children. Is, because what I was asking. rabbits fuck a lot. No, I get that. I get that. I was still talking about, about the Pope and what he was asking uh, the Rwandans to forgive the church for. By 1994, the Catholic Church was heavily involved in Rwandan politics and a number of prominent bishops and priests were clearly fanning the flames of hatred that would ultimately end in genocide. In fact, without the complicity of Rwanda's Roman Catholic Church, the whole racist Hutu power ideology that facilitated the violence never could have caught on in the first place. Or... Or if someone had punched some Hutus, just saying, just saying. <laughs> or, or shot one down in an airplane, how about, huh? But, but, too soon. <laughs> but the point here is that the Vatican knew this and approved of it the whole time. Then, when the shit really hit the fan, tens of thousands of Tutsi refugees sought refuge in Catholic churches. And once those churches were all filled up, they killed them. Right. Often the priests, nuns and bishops did nothing to dissuade the murderers, but other times they were the murderers. The the Catholic Church wasn't just guilty of looking the other way here. It played a central role in every stage of the genocide. But that's okay because the Pope's real sorry now. Yeah, he's the good Pope. Oh, fuck's (laughs) sake. Honestly, though, the fact that Francis wasn't part of like Hutu youth, that's actually a big step forward (laughs) for the Vatican on like genocide stuff. (laughs) Let's be fair. Compliment sandwich. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Always a silver lining. Now, it's worth adding that despite the Vatican's undisputed involvement in the genocide, they still waited until Rwanda asked for an apology, and they waited a full five months, apparently. I get it. You want to see if these things blow over. <laughs> oh, you're still mad? Okay, fine. Sorry. <laughs> fine. Squaresies. <laughs> Telling me rush hour isn't easier now? Exactly. You're oh, God. welcome. So for their part, the Rwandan government called the personal meeting a positive step forward, but also said the apology didn't go far enough. The official statement also included accusations that genocide suspects are still being shielded from justice within Catholic institutions. So, you know, apologizing profusely for something you're still doing seems like a bit of a signature trick for Pope Francis at this point. (laughs) Yeah, but if he didn't, then we'd never have gotten to know Alfie the apologetic albatross. (laughs) (laughs) Angelo's going to be busy tonight. I just foresee. (laughs) And in Hippocrates, we'll see you shortly news tonight. (laughs) Oklahoma State Senator Ralph Shortly. See what I did there? See what I did? (laughs) Shortly. Who managed Donald Trump's campaign in the state during the GOP primaries and more importantly, voted in favor of an anti-trans bathroom bill was caught this week in a hotel room and online soliciting sex for money from an underage boy. Hmm. Surprise, so fucking surprise. So, so he did think trans people were molesting kids in the bathroom, but he was mostly just worried about the competition. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. The cops show up. He's looking through like a elementary school yearbook. 
Hey, man, why do you keep flicking to the right with your finger? That's a book. I'm just trying to unstick the pages, I swear. (laughs) Shortly, who looks like he's always trying to convince Doctor Who to go into glorious battle against Brianna Wu, had sanctions imposed on him by the Oklahoma State Legislature for disorderly behavior. I'll say. (laughs) And he'll have his office and executive secretary taken away from him, but will still receive his salary and be able to vote as a state senator. Uh, Luckily for sanity, however, the cops are less forgiving of the whole kid fucking thing. And he has since been charged with child prostitution and other related crimes. Yeah, well, and and leave it to Oklahoma to piss me off with which felonies they charged him with specifically. Okay, so all in all, he's facing three felony charges. Engaging in child prostitution. So far, so good. Uh, That... That's a weird beginning to a sentence. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. It's so common. It's just no, like. That's, yeah. Okay. Number two, transporting a minor for prostitution. Seems odd that it's less illegal if you fuck them now rather than wait till you get home. The Daffy Duck defense or whatever. But okay. I have follow-up questions. I was afraid you might. And, <laughs> I don't. But, but finally, number three here. Engaging in prostitution within a thousand feet of a church. That's an extra fucking felony within a thousand. Because when you're near a church and want somebody to fuck you for money, they've got it covered, I guess. Right. Yeah. It's like uh, scalping tickets right near the stadium. Um, except the sport is child raping. Yeah. Well, right. And we right. subsidize the building more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, similar. You know, I wrote a child raping stadiums joke, but then I remembered Penn State is real. So it sort of took the wind out of it. <laughs> It's bad parenting. That's oh, how that God. happens. Right, Eli? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Catching on. I was hoping it wouldn't. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and in tap that ass news tonight. Okay, that's really fucking we- <laughs> funny. You'll get it in a second, but that's really fucking Wait for funny. it. We have some breaking news about the hidden surveillance that Barack Obama set up in the White House to spy on Donald Trump. Get it? Tap that ass because he's a <laughs> That's good. good. Thank you. Thank you. So according to a pastor who worked for the Trump campaign, God knew all about the bugging. And uh, don't worry, it's all been taken care of because God told the campaign guy who told Mike Pence, who told Trump, who told the CIA. Why would the CIA be involved? Who said that? Stop asking questions. You're banned from the briefing. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was like the, uh, the British CIA, though. It was those guys. <laughs> and also, look, I know it's not the politics show, but can we talk for just a second about how amazing the British intelligence reaction to this claim was? <laughs> like, American politicians are like, we cannot confirm the president's claim, blah, blah. And the British intelligence agency was just like, fuck you. <laughs> well, the president, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I just feel like maybe George the Third gave in too easy. Believe in yourself, man. Back on that horse. It's not too late. Oh, War's not over. 240-year hiatus. <laughs> I want a queen. I like the queen. She <laughs> seems nice. I'm she a has loyalist. a magic stick. Absolutely. <laughs> she can have our swans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the, uh, the pastor who alerted everyone to this is Frank Amadia. He started a group called POTUS Shield after the election, which is a team of prophets and apostles who protect the president from magic using magic. Okay. You, you sully the name of magic, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here's what he said during their last meeting of POTUS Shield. Quote, I saw the vision of a ghost-like figure running around the White House and putting pins in things. I said, what is it? He said, they're bugs. I said, bugs? Yes. So that... So that's yes, bugs, is what the guy said back to him. And uh, continuing, God said, it's a ghost, which is an acronym, as you well know, for a certain intelligence agency, end quote. And no idea what that last part means. Guys who, but was spelled phonetically, (laughs) open stuff, Trump. Trump. I believe it's like ground holding operational safety team or something. Read too much Clancy. Um, and, and now, I, I want to point out this remains the strongest evidence supporting Trump's claims. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying this priest, preacher, whatever, has now offered more evidence than the guy who made the claim and is president <laughs> and launched a congressional investigation into it. 
Well, then, based on my dreams, I owe several of our listeners and their pets an apology. Um, in alphabetical <laughs> order. <clears throat> All right. Of Anne. the pets. Oh, right, okay. Archie. Keep going. You've got a long way. No. Bobby. I figured there'd be one before Archie, at least. Cassis. <laughs> All right. So we'll, we'll do the rest of that list later. Eli. Oh, the, patr- the patrons will get the whole list. That's a- <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. If this was just some random pastor, I guess that's one thing. I mean, we'd still make fun of him, but that's that's like minor. But this guy was a hired advisor to Trump's campaign who apparently still speaks directly with Mike Pence. Yeah, right. And his title, by the way, was Christian Policy Liaison. That's a real position they had. What? Unlike the fucking reality cultural attache, which is not <laughs> a position they had. Should be a fucking rule. You right. should have to have that. Oh, just Noah in all their meetings. No, no, <laughs> no, none, none of this. This whole list, none. So I guess while we try to figure out who would be qualified to reset the relationship between Donald Trump and reality and pat ourselves on the back for stopping Eli's pet list before he got to the L's, we're going to pause for a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. Ooh, Lucinda. I was thinking of my cat, but... Uh... <laughs> Did you just call her my pet? <laughs> a man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It makes her a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Misogyny. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's nothing worse than a misogynist who thinks they're helping. I can handle the idiot on Twitter who thinks you can hold your period. I can grapple with the thinly veiled rape apology under the guise of skepticism, but fuck, there's nothing like the ones who think they're going to help us little ladies out to grind my gears. First up this week, we'll start with one of the paternalistic capitals of the world, Saudi Arabia, which hosted the first meeting of the Cosm Girls Council. They even posted photos of the event, which did not, by the way, include any fucking women. That's right, in a panel explicitly created to promote women's rights, the photo contained 13 men because the women were all in a separate room and only allowed to speak via video. And while I haven't gotten a chance to hear what the so-called council decided, it apparently wasn't, hey, you guys want to let the bitches in here to give their opinion? So I'm not optimistic. Speaking of false optimism, I've got a little game for you. I'm going to name an award and you tell me who you think should win it. Ready? Okay. How about the Working for Women Award? Go. All right. So you got it wrong because you're sane and therefore did not think of Mike fucking Pence. The award, which is given by the Independent Women's Forum, quote, recognizes an individual who values free markets, works to create a more dynamic and innovative work world, and celebrates the valuable contributions women make to society. Now, if you're like me and you know that Pence introduced six pieces of legislations against Planned Parenthood in the six years he was in office, you're probably wondering which woman was stupid enough to award this dick shiver a Working for Women award. The answer, of course, is Kellyanne Conway, who just so happens to be on the organization's board. Surprise, surprise, surprise. And finally tonight, fuck Donald Trump and his puckered orange festering asshole with a 16-ounce can of sulfuric acid turned sideways. And fuck every Republican that votes for that bullshit health care bill. Because as much as it's going to suck for everybody who isn't rich, it's going to suck a lot more if that non-rich person also has a vag. Because in addition to eliminating health insurance for 24 million people, the first thing the bill does is defund Planned Parenthood by name. Think about that. If President Lucinda just said, close all the hospitals in Aiken, South Carolina, wouldn't it be damn obvious that what I mean was fuck all the people in Aiken, South Carolina? Well, that's what this means. It means fuck non-rich women. It means fuck women on Medicaid. It means fuck women who rely on Planned Parenthood for their birth control, but also their cancer screenings and their mammograms. But most of all, it means fuck women. So next year, when it's time to vote again, don't forget to say fuck you back. And while you avoid the image of fucking a Republican, I'll turn you back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in It's John 316, do you know where your children are news tonight? (laughs) Jana and Brian Bentley have been charged with child neglect 
after failing to call the police when one of their seven children under the age of 10 went missing and stayed missing all night long. Well, there goes their hopes for a reality show. <laughs> Hold on, I don't know. Uh, seven kids and counting down. <laughs> Ooh, I'd watch that on the deep web. I would. You'd only get a couple of seasons, but it would be good. <laughs> In an article in the Arizona special that is impossible to understand as someone who grew up Jewish, in March of last year, <laughs> the child fled the house at 9.15 at night because he didn't want to do his chores. Jana, obviously thinking six was enough, didn't search for the child for 45 minutes. When her husband came home from work, they searched for and failed to find the child until 2 a.m., at which time they prayed about it received a message from God that their son was safe, and went to fucking bed. What? <laughs> okay. By contrast, I forgot to call my mom yesterday, and she sent a SWAT team. I'm also alive. <laughs> Glean from that what you will. Yeah. And Heath and I are both dead and have been since childhood. So QED. <laughs> Hashtag alternative proof. <laughs> Twist ending. <laughs> just like Bruce Willis. So sadly for dramatic irony, the Bentley's child was also alive and unmolested. Uh, sadly? It's about principle. Saying? It's about principle. <laughs> and we're still, there's currently a viral Facebook campaign for the couple not to be charged with neglect. I assume led by the scientists Thomas had on Serious Inquiries Only. Yes, I remember that episode. They're still wrong. They will always be wrong. Forever wrong. Bad parents. <laughs> Because overwhelming evidence only counts for theology, medical treatment, and climate change. <laughs> right, but not parenting and inauguration crowds. Totally alternative animals. <laughs> no, exactly. No. Non-Jews don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and in putting the ache back in daycare news tonight, Alabama conservatives are fighting valiantly to protect the rights of Christians to hit other people's children with fly swatters and lock them in closets this week because they don't seem to think I can hit a fastball. Okay, but did they mention anything about podcast hosts? <laughs> Christian podcast hosts, yeah, maybe. Uh, all right, so the most recent front on this battle is a fight over HB 277, a law that would require daycare facilities to follow minimum safety procedures even if they're Christian. Yeah, apparently the government's planning to persecute them into not abusing children. Yep. That's the problem mm, that's, for them here. Yeah. Really looking forward to this Christian movie. Go ahead, Pastor. <laughs> Beat the fuck out of my son. Just chariots of fire starts to play. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Suppose you could call it spare the rods not dead. Yes. <laughs> He's on Zing. fire today. Again. So this bill comes in response to an article from last year from the uh, Center for Investigative Reporting that detailed the number of Christian daycare centers that started out as secular ones lost their license for abuse and or neglect, and then just started calling themselves Christians so they no longer had to follow any rules. Because in the state of Alabama, that's how it fucking works. Like how Christianity is Alabama's safe. Like yep. CPS has to come by. One, two, three, Ali, Ali, oxen free. They run around, go become Muslim. <laughs> so in light of this report, which also included the fly swatter and closet details I noted at the outset, State legislators belatedly sought to pass a law that would close this egregious loophole. But since Jesus is more important than kids not being abused, Christian groups around the state are lining up against it. How do you not know you're the bad guys? You yeah, must. right. Well, how do you think that you're the... Yeah, no, I know. So, for example, Deborah Love, the executive director of the Eagle Forum of Alabama, complains that, quote, HB 277... <laughs> removes religious liberty protections and requires state regulation of religious institutions and that it is, quote, government overreach into the most important private institution in our state, end quote. Uh, yeah, you'd hope she meant vagina by that private <laughs> institute, but she definitely did not. Nope. Okay, hear me out. When this law gets defeated, which it will because it's Alabama, as a publicity stunt, we open a daycare center, it's just a big pot of lava, and we make... <laughs> People like cops escort a kid and like da, da, da. And just Andrew in the corner blaming McDonald's. It's going to be great. Was well, McDonald's fault? Finally made Eli's Lava Emporium happen. <laughs> Different way around the side. Well done. And finally tonight from the seed money file. 
A new proposed law in Texas would create a $100 fine as punishment for every time a man ejaculates outside of a vagina or outside of a designated medical facility. It's going to need you to up that picnic. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> according to my calculations, if the bill gets passed, the state would stand to make approximately uh, a bajillion dollars in revenue every day. <laughs> but it's but it's so confusing. Like, is it each orgasm or like, you know, if a bit more oozes out on that final pump, do you get another fine? Either way, <laughs> it's going to suck to be a cop. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> jumping out of tissues. <laughs> yes, so uh, I'd say the math definitely checks out, but it's obviously a ridiculous idea. Although, in fairness, it's about equally reasonable to existing laws in Texas that make female reproductive rights absurdly difficult to exercise. Right, and that's actually the whole point. The bill was proposed by State Representative Jessica Farrar as satire to make fun of the state regulations on abortion. Uh, Jessica, I know you're on the right side, but take it from us. This is not a good idea. This is how you end up with flying spaghetti monster in schools, Jessica. <laughs> and by the way, the uh, language of the bill is fantastic. Jessica Ferrar is my new favorite. First of all, it says a doctor would need to verbally review a pamphlet called A Man's Right to Know for anyone who wants a vasectomy, Viagra, or a colonoscopy. And uh, that would include a 24-hour waiting period. Also... Exact words, an attending physician must administer a medically unnecessary digital rectal exam and MRI of the rectum. And digital does not mean camera phone. No, <laughs> I mean, I know that always helps me come, but I don't think that's what she was going for. What? It depends on the phone for me. <laughs> uh, so that's why you had to do it with your finger in a circle in the olden times. I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of what happens with the bill, I'm really hoping some celebrities get together and make a series of public service announcements encouraging Texan men to help protect unborn lives by starting a cum collection, obviously. And obviously. we're clearly here to help out with that sort of thing. So let's go ahead and put 30 seconds on the clock. Ideas for the PSA about saving your sperm to save lives. Go. Uh, Give till it spurts. Uh, masturbation. <laughs> Not even cunts. <laughs> um, ball lives matter. The more you know. <laughs> Hairy palms across America. Uh, stop masturbation because ball squidge is power. <laughs> About, uh, for just the price of a venti cup of coffee each morning, you can store 20 ounces of cum later that morning. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a coffee. <laughs> Maybe the uh, the United Nude Girl Calling Fund? Because a mound is a terrible thing to waste. Uh, uh, with Heath's <laughs> idea, night of too many jars. <laughs> Andrew's presence going to be fun next year. Um, <laughs> all right, I got one more. How about uh, donate to the Salvation Army kettle? They have a smock for a reason. <laughs> and I guess with all of us feeling so charitable all of a sudden, it's probably best if we wrap up the headlines here. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Underscore. And when we come back, when we return, we'll peer into a cow's ass and see what kind of geodesy we find there. Are you tired of all the blasphemy on social media? Do the usual platforms refuse to take your imaginary crime seriously? Then try Cover Your Facebook. Here at Cover Your Facebook, we do things differently, and we make sure that each profile and post meets the standard of every single religion. Going out later for bacon with my bros. Mm. Oi, Gavalt! Loving this new red wine. Mm. I'm afraid you're going to have to holla at me later. Holla. I have a face. Mm. Have a face my ass it attack. Using Cover Your Facebook's patented offender algorithm, we make sure no post, picture, or profile ever makes it on our site that contains any content that anyone could find offensive, ever. Cover Your Facebook. There's nothing here. All right, Director Comey, uh, what do you say to President Trump's accusations of wiretapping during the election? Okay, well, uh, it, it's obviously clear that the president has made that accusation, and we take this claim very seriously. At this time, 
We have not uncovered any data which supports the president's belief. However, our investigation is still ongoing and we remain confident that we'll be able to reach a resolution that sheds light on the president's position and either validates his stance or suggests that his belief is not currently supportable by the evidence that we were able to date to uncover. Uh-huh. And Nigel Throtbottom of the British Secret Service, the president seems to have made the same claim about your organization. Uh, what's your view of that accusation? Well, it's total bullshit, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I'm sorry? What? Would you prefer an answer like the riddle of the Sphinx, like you got from Comey the Chameleon over there? I could spin you a line in arse-covering obfuscation if that's what you'd really prefer. But the bottom line is, it's complete fucking bullshit, mate. Um, well, Britain has always been a, a great ally to the United States, so... Oh yes, sure, absolutely we have. We're obviously eternally indebted to you for your help in WW2. You guys really came through for us in that last crucial ten minutes there, didn't you? And where would Blighty be if you hadn't dropped your little nuclear bomb on essentially the least important part of the entire conflict? Really, thanks so much for that one, chaps. Cheers. Uh, okay, um, I think, I think we need to, um... Or perhaps you mean uh, when you dragged us off for a jolly in the desert, looking for Saddam Hussein's weaponized latrines. Such a delightful way to blow a few trillion pounds, what? Our troops came home just covered in American stupid... And where were you chaps when Dave decided to distract everyone from that time he porked the porcine by letting the hoi polloi decide whether we should get out of the European Old Boys Club? Next thing we know, we've got Nigel Farage floating down the Thames like yesterday's turd, urging us to fight the tyranny of properly inspected sofa cushions. Fuck me. <laughs> well, now, uh, I would say that we and our... Uh... Look, the sanest half of your government put Margaret Thatcher's reanimated corpse into a business suit and floated her as a presidential candidate. You ran a campaign that was more divisive than a Berlin Wall made of Marmite, and as a result, you now have a bright orange psychotic game show host as president. But don't you go thinking you can fucking well drag us down with you. Don't expect us to just lower ourselves onto our own fists the way that you chaps are going to have to do for the next four years just because you've already pissed off Merkel, who I'm pretty sure knows actual magic and is going to cause all of your crops to die for the next four years. <laughs> to be perfectly blunt, ally or not, I'd rather stay on my jolly little island while all this blows over than help you people pretend you didn't make the monumental cock-up of electing an, a forwarded email as leader of the free world. Director Comey? Um, I'm a Russian spy. Christ. With intellectual powerhouses like the rapper B.O.B., basketball superstar Kyrie Irving, and former boombox genie Shaquille O'Neal all coming out in favor of the flat earth theory, <laughs> we here at The Scathing Atheist recognize that it's our duty as a podcast that is exactly as influential as those three people combined to set the record straight. So absenting ourselves from alphabetical order to be the arbiter of this anti-intellectual albatross, we ask ourselves, how bullshit is it? So tell us, Heath, in case anyone kind of zoned out during that intro, what nugget of nonsensical naivety do you have for us today? That would be the flat earth theory. Okay. And before we get started, just to be safe, where is Eli now? Uh, no idea. Probably best. Okay. So Heath, <laughs> what is flat earth theory? That's the theory that the earth is flat. Okay. I'm going to need a little more to work with here. And, uh... I mean, we used Carl the Pug of Pegacorn last week, so... Uh... Fine, fine. Uh, so, many ancient cultures subscribed to a flat-earth cosmography. That includes pre-classical Greece, pre-Hellenistic Bronze Age and Iron Age Middle Eastern civilizations, India up until the Gupta period, and China until the 17th century. Hmm. I, I, I'm noticing something of a pattern here. Yeah. Um, wiping your ass and figuring out we're like, on a sphere tend to go hand in hand throughout That's history. Quite an image. Okay, but now, isn't it true that flat earth theory was the prevailing scientific view during the Middle Ages? Actually, it is not. Aristotle provided empirical evidence for the spherical shape of Earth by around 330 BCE. 
And after that, knowledge of the spherical Earth started to spread beyond the Hellenistic world. Are you sure? I, I mean, Hieronymus Bosch's Garden of Earthly Delights was painted in the Netherlands in the early 16th century, and it depicts a flat Earth. Sure, sure. Um, but it also depicts lizards fucking their own face with a trumpet. So, no, oh, Yeah, fair point. Yeah, it is. Um, and uh, according to our close personal friend, Stephen J. Gould. Weird name drop. <laughs> According to him, in his work called The Late Birth of Flat Earth, he said, quote, there never was a period of flat earth darkness among scholars, regardless of how the public at large may have conceptualized our planet both then and now. Greek knowledge of sphericity never faded, and all major medieval scholars accepted the Earth's roundness as an established fact of cosmology, end quote. Okay, point conceded. But the question remains, why does the ideology hang around today? Why does Marsh have so many people to talk to on Be Reasonable? Okay, so uh, modern flat earth societies and their exact origins are a little hard to trace, but they're almost certainly religious in nature. That's for sure. Me and Captain Renault are shocked. Yeah. Shocked, I say. Well, uh, and uh, this should be kind of obvious, too. But uh, at a certain point, people got to the stars falling out of the sky part of the Bible or the earth spread out before you part of the Quran and... Rather than trying to reconcile that with modern scientific knowledge, they just said, fuck it, this shit is a plate. Oh, sounds about right. Okay, so what do modern flat earthers believe? Well, from what I gather from three episodes of Be Reasonable and a truly exhausting hour and a half on Google, they're divided into two main categories. And those are? Those are the disk theory and the infinite earth theory. Oh, do go on. Okay, well, uh, in one case... We're on a disk that's traveling upwards through space. Uh, up means the top of the paper, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And we're going up at a rate of acceleration that would simulate gravity. Uh, okay, okay, so, wait a minute. Because that's not like, that's not a speed. Like you said, that's a rate of acceleration. Correct. <laughs> so in less than a year of doing that from a dead stop, we would reach the speed of light. <laughs> and, and I mean, what energy source could possibly provide the propulsion? Why would we be able to see further when we were higher up? Uh, well, those are all great questions. Is that all I'm, all I'm going to get? That is all they have. Okay. All right. But, but what about the edges of the earth? I mean, wouldn't we have seen pictures of those by now? Uh, they actually do have an answer for that. It turns out that what you know as the continent of Antarctica is actually a giant wall of ice. Uh, okay, so these guys think Game of Thrones is closer to reality than Cosmos. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, but okay, but what's on the other side of the wall? Uh, it's it's not super clear. Uh, some of them say it's just space. Others say it's more flat Earth. <laughs> really? Yep. Okay, but what about the sun and the moon? I mean, why would there be time zones or seasons or... Night and day. Well, I'm so glad you asked, Noah. That's because, according to flat Earth theory, the sun and moon are much closer to the Earth than you think. They're actually in the atmosphere. I feel like that'd be real warm. Nope, nope. Uh, turns out the sun is just medium warm. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, it's more like a spotlight than a giant ball of nuclear fusion. Warm, but not enough to burn you. Just uh -huh. medium. And uh, where the spotlight isn't shining, it's night there or, or winter or something. Seriously? Yep. Okay. All right. So just for the record here, like for non-insane people, what shape is the earth? Uh, that would be an oblate spheroid. And, and how do we know that? Because we have pictures of it. And how do flat earthers explain those? Uh, they say we weren't big fans of Russia at the time. And oh, that uh, but, it. I mean, we're not the only ones with pictures. Russia also has pictures. Uh, they weren't big fans of us at the time, also. And and India? They uh, hate everybody, always. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So what kind of evidence do they use to support these preposterous claims? Uh, well, first up, the argument from, I'm not flying off the Earth right now. <laughs> I should not have to ask, but uh, how does that one work? Well, at the equator, the Earth spins at over a thousand miles an hour. And if you stand on something and then you sped it up to a thousand miles an hour, you'd fall off. 
or, or at least you'd fall well, over. I, I mean, sure, but it, like if Earth suddenly started spinning, we'd all fall over. I mean, constant rates of speed have to be familiar to these people, don't they? Mm, you didn't ask me for good arguments. You asked me for flat Earther arguments. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, what else do they have? Okay, let's try the argument from the flat horizon. So um, you ever notice that no matter how high you go, as long as it's not above 35,000 feet, the horizon always looks flat. I have noticed that. Well, it seems like you're expecting a follow-up, but that does the whole thing. <laughs> oh, it's okay. But like, I mean, like the highest humans ever travel in their day-to-day -day lives is about like eight and a half miles off the Earth's surface. And the Earth's diameter is almost 8,000 miles. So we're talking about two-tenths of a percent further away from the center here. Yeah, and I'm sure you could easily explain that geometry to Shaquille O'Neal, the rapping genie okay. boombox guy. All right, but but I mean, Shaq has money. I, it, it doesn't cost much to buy a GoPro and a weather balloon and see that curvature for yourself. Well, obviously, GoPro is in on it, too. I see. As is big weather balloon. I, of course, of course, yes. Uh -huh. All right, well, I guess the only question left to ask is, how bullshit is it? That would be... Eli eats bacon cheddar hummus. Levels of <laughs> Excellent. He thanks so much. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing in here? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, Nothing. did you guys do a how bullshit is it without me again? Well, I, I mean, last time you did promise to cure Lyme disease with your dick. Yeah. You see how bad it's gotten? Because you haven't let me do. Hmm. I, I mean, he does have a point there. No, oh. absolutely not. And I hear that point can cure... Lyme disease. No, so. it, it can't. I view ReasonCon as a controlled experiment. I volunteer as control. I hate you guys. Skeptic. <laughs> oh my God, how is that happening? Again, right? No. Hey guys, what you doing? Noah, check this out. No look, behind the back, the earth is flat. Bango. Holy shit, how the fuck did you do that? Dude, the earth is flat. What? Yeah. Turns out thinking the earth is flat makes you really good at basketball. Duke time! Oh my god, wait, what? It's true. I didn't believe it either. But after Kyrie Irving, Shaq, and a bunch of other basketball players came out as flat earthers, it's just become so obvious, you know? Three-pointer! Oh, okay, guys, no. That is not the case. The earth is round. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think it's like a psychological thing. Like, mm -hmm. once the curvature of the Earth isn't a factor, you just get out of your head, you know? Guys, believing the Earth is flat does not make you better at basketball. Oh, really? Well, then how come all these guys think the Earth is flat? Yeah. I mean, what else could all of those public figures who think the Earth is flat have in common? Uh, uh... Yeah, yeah, thinking the earth is uh, flat makes you better at basketball. I knew it. Five-pointer! Not, not a thing. Ah, ran out of basketball words. Before we power down the Zoom tonight, I wanted to thank Brother Brewer from the Skeptics Brew Pub podcast for inviting Lucinda and me to hang out with him on Monday. Had a lot of fun chatting about politics, feminism, and neo-paganism. If you'd like to get in on that conversation, we'll have a link on the show notes for this episode. I also need to remind you that you can pick up your ebook copy of Diatribes Volume 2, 50 More Essays from a Scathing Atheist by following the link on those very same show notes. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. And if you even that's too long to wait, you have a bit of an issue and you should probably see somebody about that. But in the meantime, you can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Obviously, the show would fall apart in Act 3 if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for all the words saying, Lucinda Lucens for all the thought thinking, Eli Bosnick for all the stuff doing, and all the listeners that forgive me for occasionally powering through this part of the outro because there are only so many ways you can thank the same three people week after week. Also want to thank Manuel for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. If you like your Mormonism in Spanish, you'll find his podcast linked on the show notes for this episode as well. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most you hemorrhage eukaryotes, Luis Matias Wrongver 
Ferb, the infamous Molly Coddle, Cameron, Adam, Aaron, Richard Dawkins, Don, Maxwell, Evan, and Mark. Louise, Matthias, Wrong Verb, and the infamous Molly Coddle, whose high school yearbooks cut to the chase and just named of the most superlative. Cameron, Adam, Aaron, and Richard Dawkins, whose IQs are so high they got promoted to JRs. And Don, Maxwell, Evan, and Mark, whose orgasms give blizzards dumping lots of white stuff on people envy. Together, these 12 selfless, helpful, healthful, and slightly less wealthful heathens helped us shelve the drivel of hell this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the audacity, capacity, tenacity, vivacity, and perspicacity it takes to give us money, but if you think you're up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're still saving up for that doggy in the window, you can also help us out a ton by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and by telling your pastor about the show. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. The only three terms that you consistently capitalize correctly in your notes, Eli, Anna, and Carl the Pugapega Court. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.